It is um, it's been wonderful. It's um, you know you've gone out today. It reminds you of why we're here in Alaska. How beautiful uh, it is, and how beautiful it has been a blessing for all of us. It is good to see you here tonight, both members and visitors. We praise God for your attendance. Thank you for blessing us and being with us tonight. Let's go to God, please, in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. In the beginning, you created the heavens and the earth through Jesus. We're thankful, Lord God, for the Godhead who created all things, things that are seen and things that are unseen. We thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to worship you. And the very thought that you recognize our worship, we ask that you'll accept our worship. We're thankful for Jesus, your great son, who died so willingly that we might live. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your care. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your patience. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray to be thy will. Amen. I was um, in Jamaica, and we were on a mission trip. And a young man um, asked if we'd ever played the game Monopoly. And I, I was clear that I had never even heard of that game before in my life. And he said, really? And he was really surprised. And then he brought out this game. And I said, you mean Monopoly? <laughs> and he said, no, Monopoly. And I said, oh, okay, right. I'm in, your, I'm in your land, right? No, yes, I played Monopoly uh, before. <laughs> this is one of those games, Monopoly, you know, where it's, it's I mean, the, the actual goal and mission of the game is uh, within the, the, the actual title itself. It's having that driving force, you know, in your mind, in your heart, to monopolize everything and everyone, to get ahead of, of players who are, are playing with you, to outmaneuver them, to, to get all the property, the key properties, and all the money, and all of that stuff. And here, I know you've played that game before. This game can bring a lot out, can it, of your personality. Start playing that game, and sometimes, you know, I remember playing, and, and, uh, being the winner, I had all the all the pieces and all the all the houses and, and hotels and everything. And finally, Nikki is like, "Hey, stop!" Because the kids were only six, but it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> I mean, I won the game. So, <laughs> but when you play the game or have played the game with others, have you ever seen um, this this merciless, ruthless, cruel, aggressive spirit come out of people? Where they're like, just, we gotta win, you owe me the money, like, oh, but I only have $10 left. And it's like, it doesn't matter, you're bankrupt, get out. <laughs> you ever seen that before? That's, that's Monopoly, right? And if you haven't seen it, maybe it was you. I don't know, but <laughs> how controlling am I? It's a good question. How controlling? When I think of, of Monopoly, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I wanna take this, the game idea, as both the negatives and the positives, and I wanna bring out a positive where, where Monopoly, this, this aggression, this um, ruthlessness in a, in, a, in a godly way can be good if you use it to save your soul and fight against Satan, right? If you use that aggression to fight against evil and wickedness, that's what God wants. He wants us to stand and to be counted. He wants us to fight to save our lives, to save ourselves. Verse 26, Paul says, Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. 
I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I buffet my body and make it my slave. And listen to the reason. Lest, possibly, after I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. There's a reason that we buffet our bodies, that we fight this good fight of faith. Turn to Luke, please, chapter 9. Because we can go out and tell everybody else about Jesus, but what if we tell everybody else about Jesus, but lose our own souls, right? I buffet my own body. I make it my slave. I'm constantly at work monopolizing my own spirit of evil, putting good in continuously, fighting the good fight of faith. Jesus asked the question in verse 25, for what does a man profit if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his soul? At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Souls, right? My soul, your soul. At the end of the day, it's all about, it's all about me. But it's about everyone else as well. But what about me? What about, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. You know, it's so easy to evaluate everyone else's lives. What about my life? Right? I, I'm so thankful you think about life and you go, you know, I really don't need others to evaluate my life as long as I'm evaluating it myself. I mean, am I really diligently looking into my own soul? So here's one of those things where it's like kind of a dig, right? Where you, you, you look, it's easy to see everybody else. But do you ever stop and step back and say, okay, I need to take a look. I need to check myself. Where am I in the, in the realm of, of pride or, or of, of sin? Where am I in, in the realm of, 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 you know, whatever it may be in my life that's holding me back? Whatever that thing is. What is when is the last time I checked that weakness that I know that I have in, my, in myself? When have I checked myself last? Verse 5 says, test yourselves. To see if you are in the faith. Examine ourselves or yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves. That Jesus is in you. Unless indeed you fail the test. So when's the last time I checked myself. Regarding. Regarding my lust. Regarding lust of the eyes. Lust of the flesh. Pride of life. Me. The, the things that I know I have to work on. When's the last time I reviewed that. When's the last time I've opened up the Bible. And said dear Lord. Uh, I'm about to read your word. Please show me what you would like for me to know about me so that I can fix me to be what you want me to be. When is the last time in your prayer, your prayer has been, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Whatever it may be, use me in a way that you see fit. When is the last time that I thought about myself in regards to my relationship uh, with the Lord? Verse 6 says, but I trust that you will realize that we ourselves do not fail the test. And how is that? Because you examine yourself. And when you check yourself, you fix it. Right? When's the last time I stood before God on my knees or whatever posture of prayer and said, God, I repent and name the specific sins that you're repenting of and asking for forgiveness. Versus the generic. The generic is easy, right? Dear God, please forgive me. 
for my sins. Well, what sins? What are you acknowledging to God? Monopoly. Colossians chapter 3, please. Colossians chapter 3. What have you learned about yourself when you play the game Monopoly? Verse, verse 5. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Can I check those off my list and go, well, I, none of that applies to me. Can you check that off? When you examine yourself, can you check that off your list? Verse 6. For it is on account of these things that the wrath of God will come. And in them you also once... Uh, that's, that's the church, right? That's us. Because he says, and in them you also once walked when you were living in them. Am I still living in them? I hope not. I hope as a Christian, I, I'm not living that way, but am I? When's the last time I, I took a good, honest, aggressive look at myself to see where I am in my walk of faith with Christ? Am I walking as a way that's becoming a Christian? And then verse 8 says, but now you also put them all aside. What, Lord? What are we struggling with in the church? Anger. No, not me. That's, I love it when he, he wrote, this is only to the church of Colossae, right? No. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with his evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there's no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and freeman, but Christ is all and in all. Well, that verse is a little troubling because God puts everyone on an equal plane. I mean, who would ever think that God would bring, if you will, a barbarian into Christ and say, by the way, y'all are all the same. Really? So there are things that I have to work on in my life, and there are things in our lives that reveal to ourselves things about ourselves that we don't always necessarily like. When we find out, Luke chapter 12, please. When we find out, when we discover who it is that we actually are. And when we see it, what is our natural response? What is our normal reaction? And so you're traveling around the board game and, and you're on the, the game of Monopoly and, and, and someone has just, uh, you know, drew the, he drew the card that said, you now own Boardwalk and they own it. And then what do you put on it? You put a, you can't wait to get it. You get both of them. You get Park Place and Boardwalk and you put a hotel on it. And then you know you're in good shape, right? And then someone lands on your property and you go, ha, you owe me money. And they go, oh. And you go, oh no, you got to pay up. 
right? I mean, there's this, this fun, but this attitude, too, in this game that's really interesting, right? I made my six-year-old pay up. So anyway, no, you know, you know, um, wow, right? What, what kind of person really have I found myself to be? Luke 12, verse 13, in, in the area of greed, how about that? And, and someone in the, in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? Who, who, who's done this, right? And then, and then he said, verse 15, to them, be, be aware, beware, and be on guard against every form. Now, that's kind of interesting, right? So when I start studying the word greed, I have to recognize that when I look at it from the perspective of God, there are, there are different levels of greed, right? And there are different forms of greed. So when you think of greed, it's not just that, that greedy rich man you think of. We always want to do that, right? Because it's easier to think about someone else in that way and say, oh, well, you know, those rich people, those billionaires. No, no. Every level of greed, every form of greed. When I look at myself and I think about even this game, I mean, even if I only own, I only own Baltic, right? Baltic Avenue, I, you know, I still want my two dollars that you get, you know, when, if you, when you win, when someone lands on your property and you have, I still want it, right? So he says, look at every, every greed, be aware of every form of greed, but not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And I thought about, you know, when you add the book of uh, Ecclesiastes to this, and you start reading through it, and you start recognizing what Solomon is saying by way of inspiration, Solomon makes a statement that is pretty interesting. He says, he says, everything you do, basically, in this life, everything that we earn, every, everything about our lives is about food. It's about eating. I mean, and the reality is, I mean, I know, I know it's about, well, you, you buy a home and you do this. And you, but at the end of the day, what it really comes back to or comes down to is, Come down to food. Survival, right? And you go back and you read Ecclesiastes and start looking at what, what he's saying about really what it, the, the brass, the brass, if you will, the brass text of it all is, it all comes down, it comes down to food. And then the abundance thereof, right? How much food? Well, think about that. How much food do I have? How much food do I need? How much food do I eat? He goes on to tell a story. He's a parable. Parables about this, this man who is struggling. And he's struggling with a form of greed. Okay? So let's, let's read this, this struggle in verse 16. He told them a parable saying, The land of a certain rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place to store my crops? And he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for, your, uh, for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you prepared? Now what's interesting about this parable is, it doesn't say the man has sinned. It's just that the man had the wrong perspective. Like, okay, you got all this stuff, but you're not going to get to enjoy it much longer because tonight you're coming home to be with me. It doesn't say he sinned, but the point is, is how much is enough or how much is too much? Well, 
So is the man, verse 21, who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. So, monopoly. The idea of monopoly challenges our spiritual being because, um, you know, it, it's easy to miss the mark if, if through life, we go through life and we're just enjoying ourselves and trying to do the best we can in Christ and we're serving God, it's just so easy to become caught up in the materialistic, right? And then forget about or neglect or neglect the spiritual part of our lives and the material things, they're kind of designed to do that. They're kind of designed to take my mind off of the spiritual things that are necessary. We have to be careful not to be caught up in, in the spiritual stuff that, that can destroy us. Philippians, please, chapter 2. And when life is, is all about, you know, that, that mindset of, you know, I, I need to go and engage here, I need to take care of this, take care of that. When we, we become so busy that we think more and more about life and things on this earth, that what happens is it slowly begins to drain away our, our mindset that says, I also need to think about others. You know, time. What about my time? How much time am I willing to sacrifice or give to others? Verse 3 says, actually, um, it says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Now with humility of mind, let each one of you regard one another as more important than himself. And do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. There's that, that cautionary scripture that says, you know, be careful, be careful, be careful. Are there things in my life that are that are dominating, monopolizing my time, my energy? Let's look, please, at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. Just They just take time, right? Everything takes time, and some things take more time than others. And, and the question is, are there things in my life that are, are pretty important, and they're taking away my, my quality time with God? Are there those things in my life? Verse 15 talks about the control. What should monopolize me, my time, my energy, and my efforts? Verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, the one who died for all, therefore all die. What is taking the place or comes into the middle or, or confuses my mind when it comes to to my relationship with Christ. Is there anything that's monopolizing my time? Romans, please, chapter 6. You remember the game Operation? Um, you're, you're the doctor, and, and, you know, there's these little bones you have to, you know, pull out, if you will, of the body. You have to have steady hands. you got to focus and concentrate so that way you don't hit the sidewalls and you hear, the, and then you're, you're out. Well, that's kind of what our lives ought to be like, you know, where we're constantly focusing on, you know, what am I saying and what am I doing and how am I affecting other people and the people around me and closest to me and how am I affecting God and what is my relationship with God like right now? And then I go throughout the day and somewhere in that day, I need to probably think about those same ideas. How am I affecting others around me and my relationship 
to Christ. God, what do I need to do in this moment, in this hour, in this day? I know there's something designed or planned for me today. God has not put us on the earth and just wound it up and just let it go. We all have a mission and a purpose every single day. All we're ready for and up to the task that God has for us. Verse 12, talking about monopolizing my time. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be a master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. What is my master? Who is my master? It could be me. I could be my own master. It could be God. God could be my master. It could be things on the earth. Or even people on the earth. Who is my master? And then here's what I think about. Play the game. Maybe all games. But since we're talking about Monopoly. In Monopoly, you, you finish the game and Sometimes you've monopolized the game so well. You don't have to count the money at the end and all the pieces to see who won. You kind of know, right? And you kind of also know who lost. But at the end of the day, here's the question about the game of Monopoly, maybe even the game of life. And that question is this. When the game is over, when life is over, when the day is over, how much emotional damage has come about? What have I caused in my own life and also in the life of others? And then when I think about that and step away and, you know, you start counting all your pieces and trying to figure out who won, at the end of the game, one thing happens to everyone. All of the pieces go back into the box. Every piece, right? All the cards, the dice, the money. I mean, you could have been the guy that was filthy rich in the, in the game. It all goes back into the box. The little car, the little hat, the little thimble. It all goes back into the box. Everything goes back into the box. Relationship. And guess what? At the end of our lives, we're all going back into a box too. Think about that. See, it really doesn't matter what you've done in this life physically, meaning materialistically. It really doesn't matter. I mean, you know, rich folk go to heaven and poor folk go to heaven. It really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter whether you have the greatest of the greatest or, or you have nothing. At the end of the day, we all go back into the box. And I wonder when I go back into the box, how much damage? You know, you have that card that's been bent for some reason. Maybe the guy, the person that was losing Bendik, they were upset. I don't know, right? You know, the money gets torn. Over time, it's worn. Turn to Ecclesiastes, please. It's worn and, you know, but the game still works. At the end of the day, how much damage have you brought, not only into the lives of others, but into your own life? Verse 7, please. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it 
Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. You know, Jesus had no earthly wealth. And we know where he is, right? Sitting at the right hand of God. None. He said, the birds of the air have nests. The foxes have holes. Yet the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. doesn't matter how much material stuff we gain in this life. Your soul is all that matters in this life. And that, brethren, is what should monopolize our minds. The soul, the soul, the soul. Chapter 5, please. Verse 13. And the material sometimes gets us a little mixed up, right? We start gauging our own spiritual worth and value based on what we have, what kind of car we have and home that we live in and second home and third and whatever else it may be and what kind of clothing I'm wearing and et cetera, et cetera. But that doesn't, that doesn't add value to my soul, nor does it deplete or take away from my soul. Verse 13, the Bible says, There is a grievous evil which I've seen under the sun. Riches being hoarded by their owner to his hurt. When those riches were lost through a bad investment, and he had fathered a son, then there was nothing to support him. As he had come naked from his mother's womb, so will he return as he came. He will take nothing from the fruit of his labor that he can carry in his hand. As this also is a grievous evil. Exactly as man is born, thus will he die. So what is the advantage to him who toils for the wind? What a great question. It's like, hey, I'm working all my life so hard. Look at all the stuff I've achieved. Look what I've accomplished. I feel good about it. I feel great. Look at my pride, strike my ego, whatever it is. I don't know. Maybe it has nothing to do with ego. Maybe it has nothing to do with anything other than we just work. And we just live. And we just do our stuff, right? We have to, we have to live. Ken said that this morning. You know, we need money. We get it. We live. and we. But when you put those things in front of your soul, and when those things become, if you will, the mark that says, this was a good man, maybe we put the cart before the horse. Maybe we don't have it figured out like we thought we did. Verse 17 says, throughout his life, He also eats in darkness with great vexation, sickness, and anger. In other words, even the rich man struggles. Everybody struggles, right? Turn to Job. We all struggle. We all have had struggles and difficulties. We're all going to have struggles and difficulties. All that matters, even in our struggles and difficulties, even looking at Job, as horrible as that particular scene was, Job held on to God, and in the end he was pleasing to God. It's not about the material. It's about the spiritual. Let us never forget that. As we walk away tomorrow and we go to our prospective homes tonight and we prepare for our jobs and we prepare for life and our decisions, make sure we're always thinking about God, about the soul and everything that we do. In verse 20, Job, through all of his struggle, then Job arose and tore his robe, shaved his head, and 
fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked, I came from my mother's womb. And naked, I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know what I love about the book of Job? They actually believed it was God who was doing it. But it was Satan. And then we actually rationalize and go, well, but God has all power, so technically, no, there is no technicality. It is Satan who was doing all that. It's clear. God allowed Satan to do it, but it was Satan who was doing all of that. And the only reason why Job didn't die is because God said, don't kill him. But Job, through all of that, believing it was God who was putting his hand on him and crushing him, Job says, but God is still good. Isn't that great? Because Job realized it's not about the material. It's all about the soul. Church, I'm encouraging you tonight to ensure that that we never get that backwards, where we gauge our success from a material perspective rather than from the soul. We're going to close in chapter 12. Only one thing will matter at the end when we go into the box. The only thing that will matter in the end is how we chose to live our lives. That's it. Verse 13 says, The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep His commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. And in the end, it's all going into the box, the grave. So tonight, when you go home and play Monopoly, I pray you think about, think about the relationship of the spirit versus the flesh and that continual struggle that we have in our lives. And remember that as you fight the good fight of faith, you've got to keep fighting all the way to the end because that's what God requires of all of us. If you're not a Christian tonight, we encourage you to surrender to God in the waters of baptism that God may wash all your sins away and add you to his church and grant you the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you're struggling in your faith and you would like prayers made on your behalf, we just ask you to make it known. We'll pray with you and pray for you. If we can help in any way, please come. While together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Why don't you come? We saw thee not when thou didst come to this poor world of sin and death.